and welcome to the Diabolical Film Show, a podcast about old films, new films, and the people who make them. My name is Ash, and with me, I have my old mate, Richie. Oh, mate, it's been a long time, hasn't it, mate? We're back, baby! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, life. Why does what life get in the way of shit? I know. Uh, we apologise for the disruption in your service. Uh, life got in the way, as Richie has just said. Bastard life. So, we're back, we're bad. I'm black, you're mad. There you go. <laughs> And none of that's true. <laughs> Although we are back. Add to the postcard if you can name the film that's from. <laughs> so, what we're we talking about now? What well, are we going to be talking about? It's our Halloween spooky special. Ooh. I think it's blatantly obvious because we put it on the title of the podcast. The thing's the thing. The isn't thing it? is the thing. We're going to be talking about The Thing. We're mm. going to take a bit of an indulgent leap because this is one of our favourite films. Oh, I hate it. I can't stand it. Okay, thank you for listening to the <laughs> Diabolical Film Show. I thought it was bollocks. Now, which version? There we go. Which version? Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about The Thing. And not just The Thing, but we're also going to be talking about The Thing. So the mm. one from 1983, uh, 1982, Ooh, sorry, 82. apologies. And also the one from 2011 as well, the prequel, which they handily also called The, the thing. thing. Brilliant. Well, where did it all start, Richie? Where did it all start, The Thing? Where did where it, did come it from? all come from? It, it, it came from Watch the Skies. It came from outer space. It came from a book, didn't it, really? It did come from a book. <laughs> it came from a book called Who Goes There? That's right. John, John W. Campbell, Jr. Jr. Um, that was made into a film by Howard Hawks and Christian Nabby back in 1951. Mm. Pretty much a man in a suit attacks a... Looks like a Frankenstein. It is. It looks like a vegetable version of a Frankenstein attacking, attacking an Arctic station. So... Let's 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 give you let's give you a brief overview of the storyline of the thing, and then then we'll, you'll get a gist of what it's all about. So, it starts in the Antarctic. So we're talking oh. now. Which which thing we're talking about? Eighty two or the well the original and the eighty two because technically it starts in the Antarctic in the US research station, doesn't it? So we're talking eighty two then. Let's start. Let's let's do the eighty two one because that's kind of going to be the focus, but we'll kind of springboard off that. Talking about the others, Boing. so and it's set in the date it's filmed as well in eighty two. Yes. Uh, so and this it gets buzzed by a helicopter from a nearby Norwegian research state re- research station uh, research station, and they're trying to shoot this dog that has escaped from their base. Now you don't really know that at the time, do you? All you see is a helicopter flying over around a dog, and it being shot at. You don't know why. Now, hilarity, as Richie would say, ensues, and the Norwegian um, helicopter blows up, and they lose both members of the of the crew. So, this all being a bit, ooh, this is a bit weird. Why are they shooting a dog? A husky, in fact. Yeah, lovely little... Called, well, half wolf, half husky, called Jed in, in real life. Lovely, lovely little fella. So, they fly off to find out what's happened at the Norwegian base, and when they get there, ooh... Hilarity um, has ensued. Yeah, not only do they discover that all of the uh, scientists there are dead or missing, they also find the remains of a strange creature that the Norwegians have actually burnt up. So the Americans mm. take this back to their base, and it's quite blatantly obvious, deduce that it's an alien life form of some description. Now, this is a really, really famous scene with a very, very impressive model of a kind of 
malformed human kind of melded to another mm. malformed human with kind of inset legs coming off and all sorts. It's incredibly well done. Did you know the actor that the face was based on for that prop? Is this that fact that you said that I won't know? No. Nope. You, are you right? I don't know this one. <laughs> Go on. Robert Picardo. Was it? Yep. Do you want to explain who that is? He's he's Rob Boutin's, um go-to guy for... He was the he was one of the werewolves in um, the Howling. He was in the Howling actually. Um, oh, what was his name? Can't, can't remember his name. Don't think howling. it really matters. But he he was in the Howling. Um, What's he more famously known for? Is the holographic doctor yes, in that's um, what he is, Voyager? He now works for the Planetary Society. Yeah, it was Johnny Cab in was, uh, yeah. Total Recall, and yeah, he's. He's Rob Boutin's go-to guy for if if you want someone to wear lots and lots of makeup and stuff and rubber, Robert Picardo, he's the guy. Robert Picardo was the man. Who he goes to. Or is the man. He's still around. Yeah, so the Americans take this back to the base, find out it'll work out quite easily. Like it's um, a morphed, weird version of Robert Picardo. Like, hey, that's an actor, Robert Picardo. But after a while, it becomes apparent that Alien can take over and assimilate into other life forms, including mm. humans, and can spread like a virus. So that means, essentially, that anyone on the base could be inhabited by the thing. Hilarity and then tensions escalate. So that's kind of that's that's uh, a kind of storyline. So why why Richie? Why do you like this film? Uh, well, I've got to go back all the way back to ninety. I was trying to figure out when I how old I was when I watched it. I think I was thirteen. Uh, back in the day when. Video shops really didn't give a shit about how old people were when you walked in and grabbed a video off the shelf and said, please, mister, can I have that? No problem, son. Off you pop. So, yeah, I think it was because it came out on video middle of 83. And I either watched it tail end of 83 or beginning of 84. Why do you like it? Why do you like it? We don't need the exact date. Fucking hell. I know. (laughs) I don't care. Why do I like it? It's it's John it, it's John Carpenter. I was familiar with John Carpenter with Halloween. Halloween's Halloween's fantastic. Another scary film, you know, that you're not supposed to be watching. And the cover of the video box is some malformed face with great big pointy teeth. And it, it's it's the Norris thing. That was the cover on the box, and it just looks like fucking hell. I want to I want to see this. I want to see it. And the tagline, man is the warmest place to hide. Yeah, that is that is a good tagline, isn't it, for a film? You know what I mean? It's like, fucking yeah. And it, it, yeah. And I watched it, and it stayed with me. Well, it stayed with me forever. It's how people at the time slated it off, slagged it off. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I just don't get it, but it is Amazing. It was badly received. There's a number of reasons I think it was badly received. It's time, amazing. But... Everything about but what? it. What? What about it? Everything. The effects, the direction, the music, the characters, the story. The story for a star. It's it's everything. There's a, there's a number there's a number of people in there. So it was directed, as you probably guessed, by John Carpenter. As Richie rightly said, he directed the Halloween, and he'd also just done the Fog as well. So he was on a bit of an upward kind of trajectory. Was John Carpenter at this point in time? So he he, he done very well. Mm, he, was. he also stars Kurt Russell, 
who's obviously become become a very big star, and a lot of other actors who you probably won't have heard of. But you've seen them. You'll have seen them. Wilfred Brimley especially, yeah. you've probably seen. Tiki Carter yes. as well, I'd say. You've probably seen Knocking Around and other stuff. Keith David. Yeah, Keith David, you'll have seen, seen as well. Um, in a lot of good, strong, positive character mm. actors. And that, I think, for me, is what sold it for me as well. Like you said, it builds up an atmosphere. It builds up a really... A really strong sense of paranoia throughout the film, and I think this is what makes it go beyond the gory effects because the effects are absolutely fantastic in this, um, especially for the time. They were groundbreaking for the time, and the majority of the meal well, now stand up. It still, it still stands. It, it's the thing is the is it's the yardstick that effects movies are, are graded against to this day, to this day. You know, and it it's forty odd years old, and it's still making waves. Yeah. So the the, the special effects guy um, who worked on it, the main one anyway, was Rob Bottin, and he was he'd done some work on the fog. I think the story goes that he burst in, he burst into a meeting with John Carpenter, and said, "Hey, I'm a special effects guy." Literally in the middle of a meeting, I said, "I want to work on, I want to be in the fog," and he is. He's one of them. He's one of the. Monsters in the Fog, but he also did went on to do the effect. And when he found out they were they were doing the thing, he said, "I want to do the thing. I want to be I want to be one of the characters in the thing. You know, one of the people. One of the yeah. He wanted to be he Palmer. Did want to be Palmer. Yeah. He? And mm. he went no because <laughs> I want to do something different with the thing. I don't want a man in a suit. So there's going to be a lot of effects work. And basically, you ain't got the time, mate. Well, <laughs> to, to put it to put it in, into clarification, so th- they worked on the script for about a year. Okay, so they, they they put a lot of time into this film on the lead up to this film. So they worked on it on it about a year, and when it come to shoot it, Rob Bertin spent one year five weeks at the studio. He slept at the studio. Yeah, it nearly killed him. It, well, he did. He went into hospital. He went after yeah. at the end of the shoot. Mm. He had to. T- he walked in, and John Carman said, "You really don't look well. You 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 don't look well." And he he, he had exhaustion. He had um, pneumonia, pneumonia as well mm-hmm. and bleeding ulcers. And it was like, because of yeah. all, all the work he put in on. He was only 22. He was as well, Bless yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he's a baby. Still alive. <laughs> the, it ended well. A lot of the characters in the film, it end, for, for Robert Teen, it ended well. He's, he's had an absolutely amazing career mm. since off the back of this because this film made him. It really did. He'd done some work on obviously mm. in the howling and things like that, and that there are his effects as well. And he was he was starting again. He's one of these that were one of these major effects people now who are kind of held in held in high esteem because. Mm. But the work on the thing, especially because the, the monster you've never ever seen anything like it, and probably no. never have since. Even in the sequel prequel, sorry, which we'll get to later on, it, you haven't seen anything like mm. this stuff in here. They didn't want a man in a suit. And the fifties version had a man in a suit. That's what it was. Well, that yeah, I think also that's what when people in eighty two, when all the um, critics went to see the thing in eighty two, ah, oh, we've seen this in fifty one. Man in a suit, and they didn't see a man in a suit. They saw like our equivalent of well, f- for me, it's something as gory as the Terrifier films. That's what they they saw, and it's like, oh my god, I can't fuck, I can't, I can't watch this. And people were leaving in droves. That's they've not, they weren't. I won't say they're not ready for it. The the amount of it that they 
that they were exposed mm. to. It was a lot. Having you know, having said that, was it 82, 1980, 81, scanners came out? So you've got exploding heads in scanners. So audiences had been exposed to gore. They, it, they had seen it, but not that much of it. And I think that's what one of the main reasons why all the critics were, oh, my, oh, oh, fucking hell, this is a bit strong. Oh, because it is one after another after another. Well, well, for those that haven't seen it, what are you listening to this for? Crying out, Where have you crying been? Out loud. It's, it is one of the standard horror films that you should see. It really is one of the, it is held that highly. And yes, there is a couple of effects which look a bit hokey in it, but even the rest of them, the body horror is absolutely fantastic. So there's a bit in it. So there's a, there's a couple mm. of bits we could talk about in this. So there's a bit where one of the characters has a heart attack, essentially. And they're trying, they're trying to bring him back to life, aren't they? They're giving him resuscitation. They are, yeah. And basically yeah. what is, he, he gets a defib machine, puts it on his chest and shouts clear. And then as, as he shocks him, the chest opens up into these massive kind of granite-like teeth. teeth. His hands go into yeah. the stomach and the thing clamps shut. He then pulls that off, rips... He's lost, he's lost his arms at the elbows, blood, blood and stuff yeah. going everywhere, and then obviously he collapses and dies from, from blood shock. Now that is a massive, that is a massive, massive shock scene in the film. Yeah. And I, even though that I've talked about it, it doesn't, it doesn't really kind of ruin it for you. But it was a one, that was a one shot take. Well, kind of. It was meant to be a one shot take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However, what essentially happened was because it's not a human body inside, it look, it's all kind of alien tendrils and all sorts of stuff. So you're going back down to the 80s, you know? No, no computer fucking graphics there. We're going back down to the 80s. No. Nope. So these little hoses nope. and little bits of stuff and gelatine and all sorts of shit in there to make it look all weird. But when they first mm-hmm. did it and put their hand, it was obviously meant to spray a load of kind of gunk, blood and some blood and some green shit Bloods, everywhere. Not everywhere, yeah. But apparently the first time it did it, they went up like jets, like the fucking fountains in Vegas outside of the hotels. Like the Bellagio fountains, wasn't it? Like, and it was like, mm. no, that's not meant to happen. And it Carpenter <laughs> called Cut. He said, what the fuck is that? Does it look like fountains from Vegas? And he went, no, it wasn't meant to be like that. Because we're going to have to do it again. And Robert team's like, mm. we can't. We've just destroyed the bo- the fake body, and no, we're doing it again. Yeah. Doing it One again. day later, <laughs> they did <it> again. <laughs> so the way they did this as well, because you see the arms get ripped off, and the guy pull. Well, it's two shots actually, but it is, yeah. it is a one shot deal. The guy pull away. It's amazing. And you you think that it was you know fake arms and stuff, but they got an amputee, in, didn't they? They got a yeah double amputee. They got a double amputee, so he got both arms have been have been surgically removed. I think it was an industrial accident. I think, and they they cast a face of um, Norris. I've just told you who it is now. Uh, of Norris. Of, of, of it wasn't of the guy. Norris. It was co- uh, it was, was a copper. copper. Okay, apologies, apologies. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. really matter for, for the sake of this. But yeah, so they cast the face of the actor of who loses his arms in the scene. Yeah. And put put a mask on of this amputee who doesn't get credited anywhere, which is a bit of a shame, really, for for the work he did. Such a memorable scene. But it, it's that it's that shocking. You're not looking at his face. You're like looking at the fact he's got no fucking arms. But obviously, we've seen it. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> 
many, 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 many times. And even if you do look at his face, you can't tell. It does look like the guy. No. They, they did a very good job yeah. with the mask. And they had these gelatin yeah. arms, didn't they? Have like wax bones coming out of them and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Absolutely phenomenal. It looks it is amazing. Really, really good. Visceral. It looks visceral yeah. and it's it's got weight. It's it's there in See, the room. These days you would do that with CGI and you'd know it was CGI. But but when you watch this, because there ain't CGI wasn't invented, you know that was done in camera. That, for all intents and purposes, was real. Yeah. I mean, every, everything is... The whole th- the whole film has become a classic from start to finish. And there's, a, there's another scene... Uh, we'll cut away from the special effects in a second, but there's another scene in there that is a very famous scene where someone someone dies on the... Well, actually, it's part of the same scene. Uh, the head comes off. It elongates the, the neck, and it, the head detaches because yeah. they're, try- they're trying to burn this body. Burn, burn it alive. alive, aren't they? So the head yeah. actually, you see it straight. You see all the little tendrils and all the things popping and everything like this. Yeah. And when when Robert E. kind of started, what what they did was they, he went away. Like I say, for the first year, they were kind of pre in pre production on this. John Carbon said, "I want this to happen. I want this to happen. They want this to happen. I want it like this. I kind of want something like this. This is what I want for this bit, and this is what I want for this bit." And he says, "Can you do this?" He says, "Do you know how to do this?" And he went, "No." No, no. We'll make it up. <laughs> and in this, and in this scene, because it's such an integral scene where this head he's trying to escape, because each part of the the entity, the alien, is an entity in itself. So is it, so, it kind of it'll yeah. try and escape from where it's being attacked from. So it, it stretches his head, and you see all the kind of all these kind of sticky, yeah, stretchy, greeny, greeny stuff popping, and yeah. kind of pustules coming out. And they they use yeah. that. They, he didn't know how to do it. He didn't have the materials then to do this sort of sort of effect. So they they mixed the melted plastic with bubble gum. This is what they did for that for that effect. They melted plastic with bubble gum and and they were and they stretched it and, and when they and they had a ram on the underside of the head. So you don't see that bit obviously. A hydraulic ram pushing the head off, stretching it off, and it all kind of come away. It looked mm. absolutely amazing. Flops onto the floor on a really famous scene, which you'll see all over the internet, uh, where the alien where these legs come out and these little eyes pop up sprouts legs sprouts legs and it yeah. and then there's the worst scene the worst fucking effect shot in the thing after that well it is but no. but again they, they were doing this head stretchy thing because they'd mixed all of this because they didn't have the materials back then they'd mixed all this stuff together hadn't they they mixed all this like i said the plastic mm. and the bubble gum and god knows what else yeah, together yeah. and there's people underneath it, and there's people at the end of the ram, and there's people filming it, and it's like, can you, why is that yeah. fucking smell? And it's all these yeah. toxic fumes, <laughs> toxic fumes coming off it. <laughs> so when they come to, because obviously they come to film it, and they, they, it was just about to go, and John Carmen, cut, cut, stop, don't stop, and he was like, what? Yeah. Well, it says we need flames because we we've just burnt the body. So there has to be flames showing in in the scene. Yeah. So they got, they got what they call I can't remember. It's a, a flame bar. Flame bar. Thank you, mate. Yeah. A flame bar that goes across just just beneath the camera, just to give that impression of an orange glow. Impression of flames. Yeah. So you find a flame bar is a metal rod with holes drilled in it, where they just put gas through it, and then they light the gas, and it looks like flames. So that and it's a standard thing. That's what they use on most sets, even to this day. Apart from when they use CG flames, but uh, in real, when they're using real flames, this is what they use. So they said, right, okay, all right, reset, reset, reset. 
so we reset it all kind of are you all ready to go yep yeah. we're ready this time we don't want we don't want to break the head because it's a one-shot deal again because this stuff you know takes ages to set up mm. and he says yep yeah, okay light the flames and as soon as he lit the flames <laughs> the flames lit the whole place went up in fucking flames because of the toxic fumes <laughs> coming off the bloody bottle the whole fucking set went up and they're like, put yeah. it out, put it out. And the fucking head's burning, everything's burning. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, oh my God. We've just literally destroyed one of the main kind of bits in the film. And he said, yeah. well, we can't do it again. And he went, you're going to have to do it again because we were yeah. too busy putting the fucking fires out. <laughs> one shot deal. One day later. That could be why the the effects budget ballooned to over one million. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it again. It all went, it all went wrong. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, another one shot deal. But he, he got it. He got it done. Got it done. In a, he had a whole day to reset it all. Re- now, that's a massive job, even on, even in today's standard, to re- reset. And when you yeah. see the effect, it looks phenomenal. It really, really does re- really, really good. Mm. But after that, it sprouts legs and then it scuttles away. Yeah. Uh, and that, that line that the character Palmer, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Yeah, you got to be fucking kidding because it it looks like a, and everyone looks and it's like what the fuck? It looks like a remote controlled car with a head stuck on top of it with legs just kind of going backwards and forwards. It doesn't look great. Um, it's the worst effect in the film. It's the only bad effect in the film, I would probably say. Um, the rest of it is absolutely fantastic. But it's not just physical body effects, is it? I mean, even down to the titles. The titles look even fantastic. Um, they, they kept the same font and everything as the original thing as well. 1951, yeah. The 1951 yeah. one. That was like a nice little homage. Well, and then m- moving away from all the... Because that's what people talk about, the effects in this film. You've got the underlying paranoia. The underlying... It's, 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 you're boarding on Hitchcockian paranoia and fear and you've got to think about what was happening in 1982 the AIDS virus was just coming just making itself aware and that was transmitted bodily fluids so you've got this which is transmitted by bodily you know it's bodily fluidy shenanigans you know and well it's bodily fluids anything when it starts off everyone's all mates Within a day, well, the fucking suspicion. Well, kicks you say in the mates. So I think this is oh. this is one of the things. This is one of the things for me that really sells the film to me because this remind this reminded me of Alien. Not the premise, not the kind of the, the creature effects and all the rest of it. Not that, but the fact that the dialogue and the people that they've got acting are incredibly good. The dialogue is just ge- just general day to day dialogue. Well, it's real, it's isn't real it? People, re- real realistic people, mm. and this is where the the prequel went fucking wrong. Because they became your typical movie archetypes, but in this, it the, the conversation is really, really kind of normal day to day conversation. And some people, you can quite clearly see, um, some people get on and some people don't get on as well with other people yeah. as well. You can see the hierarchy within the base as well, who's in mm. charge and who's not in charge, just because of the kind of general dialogue. And again, it comes down to that script. It comes down to the script being so mm. well done. That's Bill Lancaster. Now, in the, in the original book, Who Goes There, there's loads of characters in that. There's like, there's yes. more than the 12 that we get in the thing, mm. but they deliberately cut it right down so he could play off this paranoia. So he, want, he didn't want a kind of just a mass of people in there. 
He wanted just he wanted it so you knew the characters and you got mm. to know those characters. Would you like me to tell you my 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 little factoid which I unearthed? Go on. And it concerns John W. Campbell. Okay. The writer of the original story. Now he grew up with his obviously well not obviously, but with his mum and his auntie. Now they were identical twins. And being identical twins, they used to do the riff where he wouldn't know as a child mm-hmm. who was who. So as a child, he grew up not knowing if the woman in front of him was his mum or not. There you go, kids. So he, that the gestation of this story was there when he he was a kid. There you go, pop pickers. You, you won't find that fact anywhere else. <laughs> there you go. So so yeah. So yeah. He, Back, back in the room. Over back. Yes. Um, so yeah. So he cut it down. So you and but you do believe the characters. That's just it. It is. They're just everyday characters, and the conversation they have yeah. is, is the sort of conversation you actually would have. Yeah. In this sort of situation, not like your normal horror fucking films and your normal kind of sci-fi horror films, including the prequel, load of fucking archetype bullshit fucking characters, two D characters. And when you get past the gore, and this is what. Which is why it bombed at the box office, wasn't it? Because it was, it is gory. Without a shadow of a doubt, it is fucking gory. Well, and it came out two weeks after after ET. E. And so you've got cute, cuddly, fluffy alien, one that wants to rip your face off. Yeah, but the thing was right, right? Yeah. Universal, who delivered and produced both of these films, Universal, when they saw ET, thought that's a bit shit. The actual kind of studio head didn't like didn't like ET mm. as much. As he did the thing that they they actually thought oh, we've got a winner here. This is a good one. We like this. Mm. And so, uh, but yeah. when you put it in front of test audiences, the test audiences swung completely no. the opposite way. Test audiences. Sometimes I would like to find the test audiences and give them the genital cuff. <laughs> I really would. Again, you know, if, te- if anyone knows where that quote's from, answers on the postcard. <laughs> Mother. You know, because sometimes you get fucking presented with quality and you just fuck it off and it's like what the fuck and it, like, like i said before it's not as if they're not ready for it they've seen stuff like it before it's been out there a good couple of years you know i think it was your critics just didn't like it i think they just went for the jugular. And they had ET, and I think it, they did it on fucking purpose. It was a bit, I think. yeah, I, I think so. Because you got to remember back in the eighties as well, you had the video nasty thing going on, didn't you? Well, that was a few years after. Yeah, this. but this kind of sometimes gets lumped in a little bit with it. Although it, it was bubbling a little bit, you know. You had um, it was the Evil Dead was after this Cannibal Holocaust, but you'd this had been this was after American Wolf in London, the Howling, you know. So. Again, audiences that have seen blood, that have seen gore. Not to this extent. That's and it. done so well and lit so well and shot so well. Yeah. Now, the cinematographer on, the cinematographer on this was Dean Cundy. <laughs> now, Fucking hell. Now, Dean yeah. Cundy, Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park Apollo 13, <laughs> you know, yeah. who framed Roger Rabbit? Now, that, yeah. whether you like the film or not, the, what you needed to do on that film had to be incredibly well shot. Back to the future. Yeah, back to the future. He's done yeah. all. He's done absolutely. I mean, bit of a ledge. He's a ledge, and he's still going. The guy's still ledge. going. He's done the Mandalorian yeah. and Book of Boba Fett more recently as well. But we'll pass on the Book of Boba Fett. But you know, he's done a lot of stuff, and he did Garfield. Anyway, but anyway, yeah, he did all of his. 
He's used to working with big effects and stuff, so he knows what he's doing. Music, Ennioni Morricone, the maestro. Now, we've seen him. We have seen the maestro. We've seen him. We've seen him, yeah. 530 films he scored. The genres, it, I think it's every genre, everything. Oh, yeah. He could turn his hand to everything. I mean, he's obviously famous for the spaghetti westerns and you stuff know? like that, but he's, he's done exactly, more, yeah. so much more than just the spaghetti westerns and things like that. The score yeah. in this just fits the bleakness. It's amazing. And the paranoia of this film. It adds to it. It's another character. The score in itself yeah. is another character. Now, Ennio Morricone did most of the music. He didn't do all of, all of the music. John Carpenter did some of the music as well. He, he added some bits and pieces to it. But Ennio Morricone is the one that is um, credited for this stuff. You know, uh, you just mentioned characters. You know, there's one character that doesn't... Well, should be a character, but isn't. Go on. McCready's hat. <laughs> He has a cool hat. It should be a fucking character in its own right. It's amazing. Can we just say as well, any other reviewers or any other people that are listening to this or anyone that wants to talk about this, it's spelt MacReady, but it's MacReady. Listen to the fucking film and how they pronounce it in the film. Everywhere else you, you hear his name, <laughs> they, they call it MacReady. It fucking winds me up. You must have watched the film. They call him MacReady mm. in the film. It's MacReady. No matter how pompous you might fucking want to say it, it's spelled MacReady, <laughs> so I'm going to call it MacReady. It's not MacReady, it's MacReady, all right? Get over it. Moving on. Rant over. So, yeah, I mean, even even where they filmed it, I mean, they, filmed, they built the set... In, in Stuart, British Columbia, because it had the like the heaviest snowfall of anywhere at the time in, yeah. in in the world. So they built the set outside the exterior of the set outside when it's all nice and fluffy and on a glacier, essentially at the bottom of a glacier. And then six months later, when they come to film there, it's covered in snow. Covered in the snow, yeah. And the snow in the film is Amazing. actually real snow. So that mm. was filmed there. Out the exteriors were filmed there, and they had to get get on the bus. And I think they were traveling for an hour or two hours or something uh, mm. to and from the set. And they, because it is so heavily snowed in, they, they got the, the bus didn't always make it. And there's times where the bus was go, yeah. got stuck in the snow and all the actors had to get out and snow. push the yeah. fucking bus to get it going again. <laughs> so it actually is cold. When they're outside, it is outside in snow and it is fucking freezing. But when, they, when they're back in, in the studio, when, when they're filming back on set, for the, all the interiors, it was 102 outside. Yeah. So they had to refrigerate the set. So he still got the breath and stuff like that. They refrigerated the set, didn't they? They did, And then yeah. kind of sprayed yeah. it with... They realised that if you sprayed it with water, it kind of gave that humidity so you got the breath. That's how they got it. Mm. So they were walking around in all the big fucking Arctic gear. And it's fucking cracking it's the flags outside. roasting outside. <laughs> so that, so the, other, the other thing, the other story that comes out of this is when they used to go and, you know, now you'd have food wagons come come to you, but then they had a like commissary area, like a a canteen, mm. and they used to go at the canteen in full makeup. So there's people with bullet holes in their heads, and there's people with bits <laughs> of body parts hanging off them, and all this sort of stuff. And, and people must have thought, "Who the fuck is going on here? What the fuck is going yeah, on?" They used yeah, to put the guy yeah. played Clark. He, he says, um, "I used to turn up. I had this big bullet hole in my head." And people just looked at me really, really strange. I had to sit in the corner out the way so I didn't upset people while they were eating the food. <laughs> the other kind of thing I want to mention this yeah. is the matte painting work. Now, we've mentioned matte painting in a number of films before. Uh, 
Albert Whitlock. Albert Whitlock, absolute Albert legend. Whitlock. Worked on things like the yeah. Birds and Torn Curtain, Earthquake, yeah. and the Hindenburg. That's probably had more. There's more Matt Whitlock in that film than there is a live action, I think, to be honest. But absolute legend with 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 paint yeah. and using matte paintings where they just project a small bit of the live action onto a the glass of where he has kind of painted essentially and there's a lot in it and you look you yeah. watch it back now and you can tell now in, in places there's there's one there's one shot for, for me and it's when they're looking over the the um, spaceship yeah in the ice and you can tell that that for me is my worst effect okay worse than the spider head Okay. Yes, I can live with the spider head. <laughs> I can't live with that because it, it's clearly, you can clearly see that it's two elements, yeah. you know. Um, but that's, again, if it was done the, these days, if they did a, John Cameron did a George Lucas, he'd fix that in post. He would. He, he would digi- change the colouring on it. He would digitally enhance it and all sorts. Yeah, but- and he'd, he'd change that and it wouldn't be a problem. But it doesn't, It well, it, I don't think it would, that downgraded if the, it would benefit from that these days, I suppose, a little bit. I dare say, though, when I watched on video, I didn't notice it because video resolution <laughs> was absolute Shit, bollocks. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> it's only because, you know, you, you watch it again on DVD, it's like, ooh. And then you see it in Blu-ray, it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's the Blu-ray. It's when you see it in high def. There's a lot of stuff from the 80s that you see in high definition. Mm. Oh, dear God. <laughs> how did you get away with that, Wolf? Because the resolution was shit back then. Uh, essentially, that's how they got away with it. Yeah, but, exactly. Well, th- this film cost John Carpenter his career. It did. Because he, ne- he never really he never really it kind did. of got back on... He was, he was ascending. Critics. Critics. Fucking critics destroyed him. He lost two films. He actually lost yeah. two films off the back of this. He was, you know, he was slated to do Firestarter. Yeah. I don't know the other one. And also um, a remake of Only Angels Have Wings as well, which is a really classic old film. And he was, and he, he lost both of those films off the back of this because it got panned, absolutely panned. Not mm. just by the critics, but by the people watching it as well. They just didn't get it. They didn't like it. They didn't get no. the, the ambience and the, the paranoia that it built up. They saw the horror it's the side par- of it. it yeah. They saw the effects and didn't didn't go deeper. Didn't you know appreciate it for what it was? But now, if you take the if you take the effects out of it, it's a fucking good Hitchcock fucking yeah, thriller. Yeah. yeah, you know you don't know who who's real and who isn't. You know, and it, it's it's directed that tightly, that well. I dare say it'd be interesting. I wonder if you could take all the effects out, have all the kills done off screen, or you know. Whatever, it still work. It would still fucking work. He does build. He really was on top of his game here, and it is. He even says mm. it's his favorite film of his lot, and it's by far his best film. Yeah. Uh, well, Halloween would be up there as well, but I think this beats Halloween out um, for me anyway. And there was, there's been mm-hmm. talk mm-hmm. of sequels and what have you, but then they decided to do a prequel. A prequel, yeah. Now the talk was, yeah, we're going to do it all. Real the effects because everyone knows you're gonna do a prequel to, to the thing. It's like right, who's gonna do the effects? That's the first words out of people's mouths. Are like you're gonna need effects. You're gonna have to do it practical because it's got to live up to what what came before. And in all the pre-production, um, the it was directed by Matthias van Hengit. Oh. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that, Matthias van Heng Hengingen Hengingen. 
I might be right, but I actually might be right. Henry Gunner. And it was written by Eric Heisner. Heisner. Uh, oh, my Lord. Yeah. I apologise if if this, if this you ever actually hear this. But it's this was the prequel. I think, well, you can't do a sequel because it was done so well. So what they did, what they decided to do was they're going to go back and do the Norwegian camp. What happened the, on the Norwegian yeah, camp? The Norwegian side. Now, to be fair yeah. to them, they took what they did on the on the thing because you do go back to the Norwegian camp. So the way it was filmed, that's the yeah. way they filmed. At the end of the thing, they burned the American camp down. And what they then did was they went back and f- used, used the burnt camp as the as a Norwegian, Norwegian camp, which camp. is a great bit of fucking, you know, yeah. ingenuity. Save it, save, save the, the pennies. pennies. Yeah. So they just reshot it in a way that it didn't look like the same camp. So they recre- they faithfully recreated the Norwegian camp Mm. And they actually, you know, the the big scene where the big ice block, it, where the alien thing is, that's, that's there. there. The, there's a famous shot of an axe in the door in in the wall. Yeah. that's there. Yeah, you find out who. For there's me. another shot where someone slit the slit their own wrists so they wouldn't get killed by mm. the, or taken over. For me, that just that just smacked of right. We've got this. We we need to put these things in. And it's right. How can we do well, I it? Think, I think you do need to put those things in because it, you're telling that story. I'm not story, saying that you didn't, you? but it, it's 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 how it just seemed like right. We need to somehow, you know, fit these well, in. It's the Anakin Skywalker thing, isn't it? You, you've got to give a bit of fan uh, service. You you have to put those I parts know, in to. Adi- but it it just smacked of like yeah, we've we've got to hit these beats. We've got to hit these beats, and we've got to shoehorn it in. Um. That's I think that's my only. Yeah, it just seemed a bit oaky, you know. Oh, we've got to end up with a thing outside in the snow. Okay, right. Working back from that. Da, 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 well, da, yeah, da. but again, it did come up with their own yeah. kind of story ideas. But the problem with this one is, I mean, you've got Joel Edgerton's in it, big name. Uh, Mary Elizabeth and Winstead is in it, and there's a lot of other Norwegian actors in there, which I'm not going to. Yeah, count. that's what I, that's what I loved. They actually had. Norwegians, and they actually speak Norwegian. But because they couldn't sell it to an American audience, they had to put Americans in there as well, and some British people. And then you had... But I like, you know, I like the fact that you had... I like that. Well, they had to, you had to because it was a Norwegian base. You can't get away from that. They have to have Norwegians yeah, in there. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, if, if someone said, right, we need, we're going to do it this way, and the studio execs went, nah. But there's only... But the problem, the problem really? is, in the first thing, when you first watch it, you don't know who the hero is. You don't know who's going to get out alive, or if they are going to get out alive. And it's still even even after watching it, you don't know who gets out alive. But that's another, <laughs> that's another story. But in this, you know damn well who's going to get out. You know that. Kate, no, or, or no, 100%. you don't. You know Kate Lloyd's going to get out. You do. No. She's set up as the as the main protagonist in this. But what happens to her? What do you mean? You have to. Well, a lot. Well, lots of things happen. No, to but you're looking at ghosts. It's like the Titanic. You know, everyone, everyone on that base. She gets is out. But where is she? Well, you don't know. But she, she, she gets well, out of the it. base. Well, she has to because there were no reasons. They're either dead, they're missing. You just don't know. You're looking at people. They're dead. But the problem. But that's, that's, another problem with this is so you, you've got you can see who the bad guy is in this straight away. You can you've got her and Joel obviously 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to completely spoil the films. For, I'm not going to completely spoil the films for you. There's still well, there's some stuff in there. But the problem is there's too many people. This this is the problem that they addressed in the first one by trying to keep the the, the cast small. In this one, there's loads of them. And they're mainly there for getting eaten by the thing. And the thing in this is not as inventive. Now, mm. the majority of the times in this... The thing is a big stomach monster with teeth with tentacles coming out of it. That's the majority of the time that you see the thing. You see the two-headed monster, obviously, because you've got to put that in, because it was in the other one. Yeah. And then yeah. you see the monster at the end, which is fucking awful, quite frank. Now, as you said, mate, mm -hmm. you said it was set up. They were all primed to do the effects, physical they effects. Were. And they built all of the models and all of the monsters and the animatronics and all, all the rest of it. They built all of this and they were just going to enhance it with CG. Yep. What did they do, Richie? They didn't. They built the models. They filmed the models. They had them on set. They worked. They moved and everything. And then... It was, it was the, the test audience saw it. The test audience that... Needs the genital cuff, mother, and the studio. And the studio went, "Ooh!" They listened to the test audience and went, "Right, no CGI look, CGI the fucking lot." CGI'd over because they, they said it looked a bit like an eighties horror movie. Well, it is an eighties horror movie. It's set in nineteen eighty two. You know, but they it, didn't have the budget. That, didn't have the, oh. enough of the budget on the creatures, and essentially the. The creature work was done by Amalgamated Dynamics Incorporated. ADI creature work did all the creature work. Tom Woodruff Jr. and Alan yeah, Guinness. Now, Scott, Tom Woodruff Jr. is an absolute ledge when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah. Alien, Alien 3. Yeah, Prey, Death fucking, Becomes, uh, Alien Resurrection, yeah. Starship Troopers, fucking hell. I mean, whether you like the films yeah. or not, but the effects work in them is absolutely spot on. Now, these yeah. guys, fuck, I mean, Still going Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom, and so on and so on. Yeah, they're fucking amazing. Godzilla versus Kong, fucking all sorts. But anyway, so they know what they're fucking doing. The stuff looked great. Studio and. But yet oh. again, all their work was disappeared. So all that money, all that money and time was completely and utterly wasted. Because if they'd not CGI'd over it and just spent more money on the fucking effects, they would have, they would have probably stayed in the film. And one of the biggest messes in this film is like I said, there's too many people you don't have the same paranoia you can tell who the good people and the bad people are is the monster at the end and the spaceship at the end right you want to be in the mind that this is a prequel okay so your thing they find it it things out it gets out mm -hmm. yeah and it's like fucking hell um oh shit and it yeah it goes full on full frontal and fucking attacks everybody yeah, there's there's not a great deal of paranoia. It's like fuck it. I need to I need to create room. I need to kill people and attack stuff. Da, 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 da. And it realizes this is this is my opinion. It realizes well that didn't go well. I've fucking gone through it. Everyone's fucking turned against each other dead quick. I'm fucking. I've gone through all the people. I mean, it end the film. It, it's no better off than what it was when it started. Oh, I need to get the fuck out of here. When he goes to John Carpenter's film, he's like, "Right, I've been here before. Let's lower, let's low key the cunt. Let's fucking dive it back. I'll, I'll skulk around in the shadows. That's when you get your paranoia because it learned. That's what you got to think about. This thing, it learns. No, I dis, I disagree. You're wrong. It learns, mate. And that's why it's even though it's the same monster in both films, it's more." 
low-key in this in John Carpenter's because he's learned to do that after the, what fucking went wrong in the first one. That's that's my take on it. Okay. That's my take on it, and it's a fair. I'm not even going to disagree at. with you because that that is a, it's a that's a fair take to be to be honest. Because the 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 monster in this comes out in there's a bit where it comes out in the in a crew room full of fucking people. Yeah, that you know the hand they're taking the guy out and the hand just fucking magically come, yeah, comes off, drop off, off and turn into monsters, tentacle. and then turn into really yeah. bad CG. And the CG yeah. was done by VFX was done by Imagine Engine. They they create all the CG stuff after it. And, uh, did it learn? But if it, if there's a monster that does this, surely it would know that prior to coming here. Not really. No. Not really because we're humans. That, uh, you know, we're irrational fucks. All right. Well, okay, okay. I I, I take I take I take your point. I take your point. I will I will accept that point. You know, but it doesn't. That's... But it doesn't. It doesn't excuse the horrific big bad monster at the end. So there's a there's a doctor in this no. played by Aldrich Con. Aldrick Thompson, I think it was, uh, Doctor uh, Sander Halvorsen. Yeah, he's cl- he's in Banshee. He he was the um, the protagonist in Banshee. If, if anyone's ever seen no, Banshee, seen Banshee either, but... uh, he's clearly the baddie. He's set up to be the baddie, and you can clearly see the baddie. And he ends up being he ends up getting. It's a science guy, isn't he? He's modelled on the. If you've seen the 1951 version, he's a scientist. He's modelled in. It's all about the science. Well, they're all scientists to a point, aren't but the, they? But, but they're not, are they? You've got Cousin McCready's a helicopter pilot. Yeah, you got the chef and stuff like that in there. But you know, so they're not all scientists, which is one of the things that that people level at at it. Oh, our scientists would behave like that. Well, they're not all fucking scientists. Prometheus. You know what I mean? There might be about three or four of them, maybe. But anyway, well, there's fucking hundreds of them in, in the Norwegian camp. Anyway, but he's clearly set out to be yeah. the baddie in this. He, and, it's all about the science, isn't it? Well, yeah, but it's bullshit. He wouldn't act like that, let's be honest, in, in, in the real world. And that, that's where the difference is. The script sets up these as 2D characters, where in mm. Carpenter's original... Oh, it's not the original, is it? <laughs> but Carp- the 82, 81 version, 82, one, 82 version, they're just more natural. It's like an alien. It's like the crew in Alien. The, the, the conversation's more natural. It's like the crew of the Betty. Yeah, and the, yeah, the crew of the... It's like dog soldiers. It's... It's, it's naturalistic real. conversation. Yeah. Would not, and this one isn't. It really isn't. But the thing at the end, the thing at the end, where he, t- he obviously gets bit, he actually gets attacked off screen. You don't even see him fucking die. Yeah. And it comes back, and it's just got his face plastered onto this kind of tentacle thing, which then splits open really badly. It was fucking awful. It reminded me of of um, like a P- PlayStation Two game, PlayStation Two graphics, monstery. It, you know, you could tell about what. See, because the thing yeah. at the end, what you were going to see was the pilot of the ship before it got infected by human DNA. So you were going to see what it... Because it obviously replicated the pilot of the ship to, to get there initially. And you got to you got to see it. And if you look at some of the... If you look at ADI, you can go online. Go online. Go, go on yeah. YouTube and look at the ADI work. You see, st- you see stills, don't no, you? you? See, no, it's not just stills. You see, they filmed yeah. it. It looks fucking great. But it actually looks amazing. And then what we see is a Tetris... Oh, you see this computer Tetris thing? They cover it up. <laughs> they cover it up with one of the worst effects that you've seen in a long time. I must admit, when shocking. I first saw that, I thought, hang on, am I watching a hooky copy? Is this like a preview? And they've just slapped this thing over because it was like 
you know, a place marker effect. That's where I thought it was. Yeah. And then it's like, no, no, no. That's, That's it. it. That's what you're getting. Wow. And it's so you see this you see the really bad monster, then you see this big blocky thing blocking the other monsters. They digitally removed because what you also got to see in the in the original cut well, and there's calls for then a, a new cut of this to try and yeah, bring I've back some yeah. some back some of the real effects back into it. But you saw bodies of the other aliens that it had taken over just strewn around the ship before you see the the big kind of it looks a bit like a fly an elongated fly mm. with lots of weird tentacles and stuff for feet it looks really good and i just don't know why they didn't go with that mm. again apparently test audiences just got a bit confused to see <sighs> what it was but that's not but what? that's not the story that that's the fault of the script you should that should have been fucking sorted in the script not because the effect looked bad it doesn't look bad it looks great damn sight better than what they fucking stuck in uh, who'd you blame who'd you blame because it's not it's not an awful film it's not it's not a bad film but we're ragging on it we're ragging on it but no it's not a- there's it, it gets a lot of hate but it's not deserving of all the hate it gets yes there's bad bits in it and some of the effects are good the the, the digital effects are good not all yeah. of them some of them are fucking atrocious i think i think it's You've, you've you've done a prequel to a film that is so beloved. Now, yeah, yeah. I would love to. I would love to go. You know, to to find the people who reviewed the first. You know, John Carpenter's version, and just like rub the noses in it. But they're all dead now, aren't so they? We don't care. Yeah, it is now held as, <laughs> as a beloved classic, and the, and the and the actual yeah, reviews it, state. The that. other thing which I don't like about the prequel is. How they find the saucer? Yeah, it's it goes totally against what you see in John Carpenter's version. So it's like that's wrong. Yeah, they've, they've changed wrong. a little like, bit no, of no, it. No, no, it doesn't no. quite tally up very well no, in that respect. That's you know now they went all out to put the axe in the wall and the guy in the chair with his throat cut. But we're going to change ex- all about how we get the fucking saucer mm. found. Don't, yeah. No, that that does not sit right. I'm like, no, 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 no. Now no. you can you can people blame the director. There's a lot of hate went towards the director, but the director did not do another film after this. No, he for nine years. You know, he says I do not want to work with studios again yeah. after this film. He swore off Hollywood, hasn't yeah. he? He, he? He does stuff in his native country, but yeah, he does not. No, I actually think having done a research into this now, yeah. That Matthias um, van... Uh, studio Interference. Jed Hedgingen. I'm going to go with that. It's probably wrong. I think it was Studio, like you say. I think the Studio, studio Interference. Studio forced, forced his hand. And that's probably why some of the effects look a bit crap, because they were rushed yeah, and I, done at the last minute. Because some of the effects look really got, good. I will give them that. Some of them look really good, but... They got cold feet, yeah. and they didn't have faith in, in what the actual team were doing, what the director was doing what the whole production team were about. They had zero faith in it, you know, and they believed that the test audience, for fuck's sake, test audience. You know, I would love to be a test audience, a member of a test audience. I would love it. I would love it. I, I want to find it's out still, how, how you get that It's all approached you in the street and said, excuse me, sir, have you got a minute? Fuck off, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> You've probably been asked a thousand times, mate, but you just told them to fuck off. <laughs> I'd be like... Why the fuck am I in the, Why are you in my house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't not go and watch the... Definitely watch the original. 
Well, watch the Carpent John Carpenter's the thing. Watch yeah. that. It's a it's a masterclass in special effects and masterclass in paranoia and story and, story and character work. Working yes. with very little. Yes. But they deliver so much. Watch watch the prequel. There's nothing it's it's not a bad film by any stretch of the imagination. It does it's not on the level of nowhere near of the it doesn't bring up the same paranoia. No. It do, there's a little bit of paranoia in it, but the characters are a bit a bit 2D it's, and there's it, a lot it, of throwaway like, deaths in it. Yeah, there is paranoia, but it it it's forced. It's ran down your throat. You know, it's it's like back in the eighties, we could work shit out for ourselves. We were equipped with mm-hmm. that. We could we could do that. But now they think audiences can't. So you've got to like lead them by the nose around the fucking story. You're like, really? Yeah, I mean the scores and the doors, the thing eighty two got eight point two on IMDB. That's high for IMDB. That is high. I would love, I would love, see IMDB went around back in the 80s, what the score would have been then. Well, again, on you Rotten Tomatoes, yeah, I mean? well, I think the score will be what the other one is. So The Thing 82 is 8.2 yeah. on IMDB, 85 for the critics, 92 for the viewing public. Of course. And I would stand by that. I think it's that, it is that good. Um, yeah. The Thing 2011... 6.2 on IMDb, but 34 for the critics and 42 nah. for the viewing public. That's too low. Yeah. It's not that bad. That, that, it's, that's, it's not deserving no, that. It's late 60s, 70s, early, very early 70s. Uh, late know, 60s, I think. It's definitely, if, if we're going to scope it like that. It's not worthy of but that. It has spawned some good stuff. It's got comics with these comics of the thing, isn't there? There is, there is. I do, I, I, I do actually own, there's one, two, three, there's five different series of comics. I do own two of them, and they pick up, one of them, it picks up directly after the end of John Carpenter's film. Um, there's only two issues of it, and the artwork is very painty. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's painty. So I don't really want to go into it because it's because it, it'll give the um, story yeah, away. As we've to... told you some big story beats, but we haven't give the ends away to either of these films. No. So that that one's called the thing from another world. Then you've got the thing from another world, Clement of Fear. Now that picks up after the end of the previous one, and the artwork in this is very Beano. Yeah, it's not great, is it? Yeah. And it's the same for some no. of the other ones as well. Some some of them are a bit they're a bit yeah. hit and miss the comics. But you got a computer mm. game. You got a computer game out there as well. And you've actually got three board games now. Three board games based on the thing. You've got Who Goes There, the Inspection at Outpost 31, and The Thing, the board game. So, you know, you've got a load of media because it's not just us saying it. No. They recognise it now. It is a true classic. Yeah. And it will be a true classic yeah. for oh, a long, Christ, long it'll time. Oh, Christ, it'll be forever. It'll, it'll be forever. It will be. It's, it's set in stone. When it first came out, audiences, they, couldn't, they didn't recognise it for what it was. The critics certainly fucking didn't. They all need a slap. They almost destroyed a director. Oh, I... I, I I can't verbalise my fucking anger. It <laughs> it really does make me mad. Before before Richie turns Hulk. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it, it 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 when you see stuff that's been made since, and there's been sequels to absolute shite that people lap up, and then this comes along, 
you know, yeah, it was back in the day, and it gets absolutely murdered. And you read some of the reviews, John Carpenter was like the purveyor of horror pornography. That's that's in print. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what he was actually called in print. And these days, you've got Eli Roth doing his fucking hostel thing, and it's like now it's oh oh yeah whatever. You got the guys doing the Terrifier films. That is bad. That is oh the the the, the gore in that. I'm like wow. I haven't seen them yet. I haven't seen them. Oh, but... I've seen I've, I've watched them both. I've seen hostels. I won't watch them again because I'm like no. Ooh. It's strong. Okay. It is strong. I'm like, well, oh, they're not classic really... films, are they? Let's be honest. They're, 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 what, they're kind of... In those circles, they will be. But they're not as universal as the thing. Universal. Yeah. Hey, see you there. there. Produ- um, studio backed it. So what we're saying is go yeah. and watch the thing. Yeah. Go and watch the prequel. There's nothing wrong with it. And if, if, you're, if you like it, love it. Oh, we certainly do. And a lot of other people certainly do. Find some of the comics. Find a board game. Yeah. Love the thing like we do. But yeah, just, it's... but when you're sat there watching it, just have a little look to your left and to your right to the people sat next to you. <laughs> are they really the people that you know? Mm. Or are they the, the thing? thing? And on that slice of fried gold, we'll end it right there. So if you fancy a bit more diabolical film banter, we are back. We are back, baby. Yeah. Like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Also, if you like us talking bollocks about films, then maybe give us a re- review. And if you need to get something off your chest, send us a question, and we'll leave it. We will. Might? No? No mind about it. We will answer it on the show. You can find us on, on your local friendly neighbourhood podcast app and on all the interwebs. Just search for the Diabolical Film Show. That leaves it with me to say thanks for listening, and catch you later. And from me, well, actually, where are we going, Richie, in a couple of weeks? Ah, Manchester Horicon. The love of horror. We'll have t-shirts on. You'll know who we are. Yeah. Uh, we'll have diabolical, t-shirt, <laughs> diabolical film t-shirts on. So if you're there, we'll see you there. If not, then we will catch you on the next episode. And from me, till next time, tatty bye. Tatty bye.